Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, author of Visualizing Happiness in Every Area of Your Life and host of this podcast, Incredible Life Creator. And today my guest is Mr. Stephen Gillen. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Hi, hi, Kimberly. Yes, I'm really, I'm really good. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. And just so people can get to know you a little bit, I'm going to read your bio. So Stephen Gillen was born in the UK in 1971. His formative years were spent in Belfast, where he witnessed the war, great violence, unrest, and traumas. When the surrogate mother died of cancer, he was sent back to England, and after a succession of brutal children's homes and having to survive in London in his early teens, he was groomed into crime, going to a detention center for the first time, age 14. In his early 20s, he received a 17-year sentence as a Category A prisoner, serving 12 years in prison, being labeled one of UK's most dangerous prisoners. Stephen's life path was dark, rough, and tortuous. He hit rock bottom, lost everything. He learned he had to change his mindset and actions if he wants to survive. Stephen worked hard to understand and manage his behavioral problems, anger, and violence issues, addiction, mental illness, criminality, isolation, abandonment, disempowerment, and poverty. Stephen is the author of two books, all of his work, his true calling. His life mission is to continue improving, supporting, and elevating the hundreds of millions, billions of people worldwide who need second chances and opportunities, just as he did. Stephen Gillen is a serial international entrepreneur in diverse industries. He is also co-founder of multi-award-winning international media, branding and film TV company, Roar Media Creative Studios. I am so glad to have you on here and very excited to hear your story because it just seems like it went from one end to the other. So tell us your story. It really did. I mean, the bio was, uh, thank, thank you for reading that. It's, you know, it condenses so much, right, you know. And, of course, it's all a, it's all a true story of how I had to navigate that. I mean, a lot of people, Kimberly, they say, oh, you know, it's like a real metamorphosis, of course, which it is, like a 360. But how can you come from that to that, right? You know, we're going to talk about that. But, um yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a very, very uh, grateful person, you know, and I'm very happy to be here. So please ask some questions and, you know, let's do it. Let's go there. Well, um, just tell me a little bit uh, about your childhood. So people have reality. Okay, what was it like during the war when you were a child? Yeah, I mean, I was I was taken to Belfast when I was about six months old you know so I was a born baby I had no uh recollection uh uh recollection of this Kimberly and it was all I knew in the formative years of course I left there when I was nine when my surrogate mother died of cancer you know and it was determined I had to come back back to England so I was the the little child on the case you know uh alone basically with nothing that you know they had to come back to this country you know uh, it went downhill from there by the way but going back um what it was really like was um I, I was born in 71 so I was really there when the unrest and the war was really really hitting it at its worst right and um so it was martial law 
you know, um, riots all the time. It was a normal, a normal occurrence for me to hear, you know, gunfights and people, people shooting out from the flats all night. Wouldn't, wouldn't be anything out of the ordinary, you know, or buses and barricades. If you're walking down the road on fire, just, you know, you had to watch where you went, what you said, who you talked to, you know, there was always that something in the air, you know, soldiers everywhere. They just pull up, they jump out of, Horse and all this stuff and it was a very very dangerous dangerous place but for me you know as a child within within the family unit that I had they was quite religious they was a very religious family so I was very very cocooned behind that even more so right you know because they was really kind people they had really good values um behind the door so outside the door was you know it was a completely different world to that and that, you know, that gives you a bit of what it was like. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, your, your mother dying and um, anyone who's lost someone knows how how difficult that is. And and as a child, not even understanding, you know, why you're alone. So then when you went in, went to England and you were in these children's homes, what happened there? What there's there had, you know. So you came from really this, even though there was war all around, this safe place, and now all of a sudden you are alone in these children's homes. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because I've really gone into this now with hindsight, of course, you know, some very, very um, educated people, you know, some very, very professional people, you know, and they say, look, the difference between fearlessness, Steve, you know, and the fearlessness that, that you showed you know, after is in the childhood. So if you're treated with kindness and love in their formative years, then, you know, you know, these are the people who go on to be adrenaline junkies, uh, uh, fighter pilots, um, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Right. But if you're, if you're treated with cruelty or, or, you know, stuff like that, and it's very bad, then a lot of these, but these are the people who have a, bad experience you know and journey in the world you know and go down the wrong path you know and a lot of people say to me just to say this oh you know was you mad was you bad like all of this stuff I say well yeah you know I was certainly some of the things at certain points in my life but no the difference was for me was um you know I had the strength I had the circumstances I had the opportunity um, I had the support, you know, I even had the intervention to find my way back to myself mm -hmm. because I was, I come from that loving, kind childhood that was very, you know, very loving and like a cocoon with all the right values, right? But mm -hmm. lost my way, of course, you know, so much, so high, so quick. But this is another part of the puzzle that where, you know, I was able to find my way back to myself. So, Going back to your question again, um, you know, I'm the young child. I come, you know, I'm sent, I'm sent back to England, back to some kind of family because of what happened and my mother died. And, you know, they all thought rightly, you know, I needed, I needed a woman's hand right at that, at that time of my life. So that was the thinking, but it didn't work that way. You know, I was really abandoned in that way. I was, you know, kind of feral in that way. I was a very, very anxious child and very, very fearful. So I was thrown in at the deep end of that. I was in an alien place, you know, completely 
you know, the, this was the experience for a young child I had to I had to deal with and circumvent. That didn't go, you know, well for me. And I kind of how I responded because of my kind of personality and my response to all this in the environment was I was a really angry child, you know. This was more probably um, self-protective. It was protective at, at trying to navigate these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was put into foster care and, you know, children's homes and all of that. And, you know, some of them was quite brutal, really, really brutal, you know. And, um, you know, it just let me, you know, I had a sense even earlier on that anything I ever loved, I lost. You know, I was alone in this life, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to do whatever I had to do to 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 survive, Kimberly. So there it was, you know. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like, well, I've lost every anything, so it really doesn't matter as long as I can survive here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course you're you're very young, you see. And the other point that's important here is you're very susceptible to people, places and things, you know, especially someone who's looking to belong. You know, we're looking for uh, like surrogate families, friends, peer pressure, all these things. This is a very pivotal, pivotal time in, in, in our development. So, you know, I was very open then at what path to take, but I was being prepared for for failure, really, in a way, without even knowing it. It's not an excuse, um, Kimberly. Of course, I'm well over this now. But when I look back, a lot of people, I've been in some of the big, biggest platforms around the world. It's a long time. And they ask these questions. So it's about giving the jewels to people out there and not missing some of the some of the important uh, story points. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, you ended up in prison. Um, and some people go into prison, and they come out just as bad or worse than they were. They learned new bad things to do, or some people go into prison and you know they take a college course or they they actually grab onto the rehabilitation things that are available to them so what makes the difference between someone because i'm sure you met both people while you were there what makes the difference between the people who decide to make themselves better as better meaning meaning more in the positive healthy way rather than continuing on a path of destruction do you know kimberly you're such a wonderful soul you know, and I know you love to do some work together and all that, you know, and, you know, you really are a shining example of so much good things, right, in the world, right, and healing, you know, the work that you do, all of this stuff, right, I know this, right, you know, and there's a funny thing in the world saying that is, is there are dark, dark forces in this world, you know, and they do come through people, places and things, and that actually is part of the of the contrast of the learning here it mm -hmm. is a kind of a spiritual war in a way for all of us at how we learn and we grow through all these experiences you know that's for all of us no matter where we come from how it is what our personality what the epigenetics whatever that is right mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing with the epigenetics because this comes along right you know and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that um needs to be healed or needs to be attended to as we as we come along on this journey right you know this life journey 
you know, and that's not even really the deep stuff. I'm just putting it down how it is, right? You know, in a general way that people people can understand. Another part of that, of course, is the environment that we grow up in, you know, mm -hmm. or even that we're in at any given time. It's scientifically proven that this really triggers human behavior. And it's the emotion then that then sets up the architecture pretty much, you know, in some kind of a way of or the tone or the theme of where we're going next. Right. There's mm -hmm. a lot of science behind this stuff now, which is which is coming out. And so when you look at the ingredients to make it easy of where I was and what I kind of had to deal with, you see that, well, this is not a good soup. You know, this is not a good soup. So if we're putting in all these ingredients that are not good, harmful, destructive, not, you know, these kind of words, negative, right? Mm -hmm. Then, you know, we that doesn't make for a good soup, right? That's going to uh, bear the fruit, right, as it was, right? So I'm trying to put this into a form, you know, that everyone can understand. And there was a lot of that stuff, you know, there's a lot of that stuff in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah so while you were there what made you decide to I mean you, you said there was like you hit rock bottom mm. there was nothing you know there's nothing else you could lose so what was the decision you made there's always a decision when something changes oh absolutely <clears throat> I mean I'm going to go back a little bit just to fill out for the audience about what we're talking here so, you know, we're talking about petty crime, you know, in the early years, groomed, you know, I was around a lot of kind of, I I was around a lot of the, the, the real notorious criminals of the day who was much older, but I, you know, had the access exposure and all that stuff to them, right? And groomed in many ways, didn't have the right role models. So, you know, it, you know I've learned it's very important how we look at the world. If, if our conditioning, our programming is that we look at the world as a place of suspicion, we can't trust no one, we take what we can when we can get it, you know, all of these really, really, really negative, closed ways of being, then this is what our way of being is, right? If we look at the places, it's working for us. Everything's an opportunity. You know, everything is a gratitude for for everything that we have to another, you know, to have another wonderful go at this thing, mm -hmm. right? Do you know what I mean? Then this is what it's about, obviously. So, you know, I mean, I obviously had that conditioning, the negative conditioning, and that life it locks you in, um, Kimberly. It really does, in that dark way that you don't know anything else, you know, and you can't, and you can't get out of it, or you feel you can't get out of it. It's like quicksand. You know, it sucks you in, the people, places, and things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, quickly I went on to organised crime. You know, we're talking racketeering. We're talking we're talking a lot of the heavy stuff, which is really unfortunate and very shameful, you know. But there it was, right? You know, a lot of the violence, a lot of the really, really, really dark stuff. And, of course, that ended badly as it was always, you know, I'm going uh, was going to, you know, and I paid a big price for that, as I should have done as well, right? You know, I'd done 12 years. I was a Category A prisoner, which is the highest highest security category. And that was a very desperate, painful place to be. So that's just to give the audience just a little more understanding of the tough bit there, Kimberly. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> so what was when you were there and kind of like stuck in that mindset, how did that mindset change? Was there a decision? Was there, what happened that started you on the path? What was the first step? There's always a first step. I think everyone asked that question and um, I knew I wanted out of that life for a long time. I'd seen through that life for a long time, but um for me, certainly, you know, I had to hit a lot of rock bombs. Life had to beat me up so bad that I needed that for me to see the reality of life, if you want to call it that, and what my journey needed to be. You know, and that's extremely painful. But still, I'm very grateful for that, for the chance to be able to do that, to circumvent that, to get to my true calling, you know, later on, you know. Again, this is part of the journey right you know i do see it as that you know mm -hmm. so when you actually were released from prison and you were starting your new life as it would um what was the first thing you did well i just to, just to come back a little bit to put a bit more kind of flesh to the bones to that to that question you asked me because it's important was you know i mean it was a very violent desperate um paranoid existence all of this stuff you know i i you know i went through a lot of stuff um because of the way of being the life i was living all that darkness that you let into your life right you know you know mental health there was addiction there there was there was there was all these kind of demons that come in really right once you open the door to one kimberly then of course there are many more you know, lining up behind it. This this is the way that this works, this energy, you know, and th this is part of it, you know, really uh, taking you away. It can take you away so so quickly, this kind of stuff, right? You know, it was certainly like, you know, like that for me. It's important to say because we do have a choice in this, right? No matter how deep, uh, you know, how black the darkness, the, 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 you know, there was always you know, the light and the right way, if you want to take that. And of course, this is always the right way, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I got to a place as well where I couldn't hurt no one no more. I couldn't feel how I felt about myself, you know, and I couldn't really feel, you know, the way people would kind of look down at me as if they was better than me. Not that I thought I was better than anyone else, but I knew that that wasn't right. So mm -hmm. these was like a line in the sand, you know, and I had a couple of, spiritual experiences right you know but you know when i was away i had a you know i'll tell you about one i know you know i know you're very spiritual i was about four years into that sentence and it was just so violent and everything all the gang violence like was in there and all the rest of it and i i had navigated myself into a place i thought you know i'll fall on my sword right you know like the you know like the roman emperor mm -hmm. you know i'd navigated myself and thought you know i couldn't ever think i would get out of that place or how would i be after 10 years of this this living hell i couldn't you can't comprehend that you know and i was in segregation you know i probably done about five years in segregation which was 23 hour bang up under the most strictest conditions mm -hmm. if you imagine something like that so and um I was really in that place of desperation where I thought this seems like the easier option, really. It seemed like the attractive, uh, you know, option. And then there was, you know, I remember it was about two o'clock in the morning. I was in the segregation cell. And then it wasn't that the cell, it was pitch black. It wasn't that the cell got bright or a big light. 
it just felt softer and brighter. But I felt this big energy come down. And it was so profound. And it was such a feeling of love mm -hmm. and comfort and healing. And it come down. It was so profound because it kind of come from the from the corner of the ceiling, invis this invisible whatever it was, and it come down, but then it slowly rested on me. I was in bed, and it kind of stayed. It seemed like it stayed for ages, but of course it didn't. It kind of been more than a than a than a few minutes or whatever. But it just stayed with me as if it was taking all of that anguish, all of that pain, all that stuff away from me. And then it, as slowly as it had wrapped around me, it slowly lifted off me, you know, and went again. And it was like it had just taken that stuff away. I was still there, but it had taken that stuff away. And that was, you know, that was, that was, that was a spiritual experience that was really, really, really profound for me. And, you know, sometimes there'd even be, you know, in the worst moments, there were certain things that would, you know, that voice that would say to me, you have to go through this. You know, and, you know, I would speak to it, you know, why would I, you know, I have to go through this living hell? Of course, it doesn't answer because mm -hmm. it's the voice. It's mm -hmm. more, more an instruction than something else. And it's not that voice that's your other counter voice. It's mm -hmm. something a lot more, you know, you know, this is higher power. This is this this is divine uh, stuff we're talking about. There's no question about this. So I had these experiences as well. It, 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 it's it's important to say, mm -hmm. you know, and I hope that I hope that helps to answer the question a bit. That really does because you know we have this you know world we can see, but then there's the world that we know is there but we don't we're not always aware of it but it's always there and you know if you believe in god or a higher power mm. that's uh, omnipresent always there mm. um available to us when we reach out to it and it sounds to me like it reached out to you yeah i mean you know i was always you know, as I said, when I was younger and on, it was, you know, a very religious family, not overly religious, but very religious, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and we'd be up to church every Sunday and that was what we'd done and it was the thing and it was a big event and everything was around this and that was a very healthy thing. But mm -hmm. it's kind of forced down your throat in a way, if you will, in that way until mm -hmm. you become older because of... Of course, spirituality and all that, you know, and our relationship with, with 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 the higher one is a very personal personal thing. It's a very very individual thing, and um, so this again, you know, was part of my journey, my my individual journey. Yeah, I mean, when I think about about the time your mom died, was about the time we actually start getting into the uh, level of development where we can actually make our own decisions. So you had the religious background or the teaching, but when you're so young, you don't really have the logical, you know, or the sense to make any decisions about it. You're just really just absorbing everything. And so right about the time you had a time to make a decision, it was just like cut, broken, um, which probably had a lot to do with what happened once you got to England, especially with you know the way you were treated and um 
that that's the about the time you're making starting to make decisions for yourself yeah 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 absolutely it's it's um you know it's that part of the journey you know and the other and the other part which is so important which is crazy in such a such a busy lifestyle for all of this that we can very easily become oblivious to but that's the cart before the horse mm-hmm. right and it's the wrong way around and life will also teach you that as well it's also it's also taught, it's also taught me that and this is a good thing mm-hmm. well now that's you know the first part of your life but now the second part of your life looks totally different, like black and white. It looks totally different. So um, what are you doing now? How did you get into doing what you're doing? It's, um, th- these are the jewels I always say, but, you know, they say there's no, you know, there's no light without darkness, right? You know, you know, and the biggest stars, they shine in the darkest sky, right? You know, these are great analogies. You know, because it does have a, you know, a resonance, right? And, but, you know, when I, you know, I wanted out of that life, when I changed my life and I come out, <clears throat> I can remember there was one, you know, friend of mine, I always I always remember what he said to me. Um, he said, Steve, you have to change only one thing, you know? I said, what's that? He said, everything. <laughs> of course, even so. And it was so true, right? You know, I had yeah. this intellectual understanding of it. Of course I did. <laughs> But, you know, when the penny drops and you do the work, of course, along this along this journey with the experience of it is something else. This is the real tangible stuff we're talking about. So, but that sums it up. You know, people, places and things, I had to change absolutely everything I did. I, you know, I'd done a lot of uh, voluntary work with the, with the church and stuff like that, you know, a lot of stuff with the home, you know, the homeless. You know, it was uh, part of it for me because I needed to get my humanity back and I needed to heal and I needed to sort myself out internally, you know. And I used to love that because we'd go there, we'd, you know, we'd mop the floors, we'd cook the dinner, we'd make the beds. But, you know, some of the best of it was just to talk to these people and be no one, mm-hmm. you know, be invisible. You know, and I loved that. It was it was the best thing. It was more than all the money in the world, really. And you see that. These are the right things. It's very easy because because it's not in money or or glory or anything like that. It's it's in it's in how you feel and that and that real stuff that everything's telling you that this is a wonderful thing. It's the giving. It's the selfless giving of that in the right way at the right time. You know all of this stuff, right? So yeah, I done that. You know, I used to even bring my children there, the younger ones there, and stuff like that. You know, because I wanted them to understand this, right? You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I went on. I um, I was kind of, I was a little bit lucky in the sense my family they had a building company. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to build roads. Very very hard work, uh, hard labor. Uh, you know, all kinds of weather and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my family was very tough, you know, because of the way that I've been, of course, I didn't get no easy ride. I had to start at the very bottom mm-hmm. and I had to be, you know, I was giving it worse than everyone else. Let me just make that clear. Right? <laughs> Seriously, you know, I had to do a lot more than everyone else as well for a lot less. And that was part of the training, right? It was part of the course, right? So, you know, I started, I've got, I, you know, digging, you know, you know, covered in, you know you know what you know all kinds of weather right you know uh, very very hard work and 
but I liked that too because I needed to understand about honest work. You know, that was another part of it for me. And right, you know, that really helped me too. You know, I started off as a God as a seventy panner. You know, a day laborer. Right. You know, work, working all hours. Right. You know, um, within eighteen months, I'd gone on to be um, a supervisor. You know, to run in my own contracts. You know, twenty five men and uh, six hundred thousand pounds worth of plant. You know, I went to university, uh, you know, I got a business degree. I finished in the top top three there of that. Do you know what I mean? I um, you know, to go in on to uh, start my own first company, you know, within 18 months. So when the lights come on, really, and I had, like, like it was time for me, they come on, you know, Kimberly. That was the start of it. That's beautiful. So you were in the, you know, construction road building, but how did you get to what you're doing now? Because you're not building any roads right now. You look quite clean and dressed up and look nice. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's the first part of the story, of course. And um, I kind of, more is revealed, really. It is more is revealed to us all the time, right? You know, it was that way for me as well. So, um, you know, it's kind of coming in that, you know, what do you really want to do? And it was to make things better, to be more, to, you know, keep going on this journey and get as far away from the life that I had before. So, you know, I started talking about my story. I started doing public speaking. I started getting on the stages. You know, I started meeting a lot of media media people. Um, you know, I met someone one day. I, You know, I was... Um, you know, I uh, learned how to, um, you know, I wrote and made some documentaries, right, you know, and stuff like that. You know, I met someone one day who I started a media company with earlier on because I knew I needed to learn marketing and all other stuff. So that was when I, you know, I kind of went that way. But look, I've gone on so, so much from that, as you know. And, you know, I can tell you a little bit more about the next part of that now. Have you another question? <laughs> Yeah. So, well, I mean, the way we met is um, that, you you know, you have your PR company and, you know, you help people who want um, PR or media or want to, you know, find someone who actually has the connections um, to be able to promote their story or their business or whatever, whatever it is they want to promote. So um, how did you get into that? Yeah, this this is just one part of it. So look, you know, I'm a best-selling author. Um, my 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 life story has been optioned to be to be a major film now. Um, uh, I've just signed a two-book deal, for instance. So my last book, The Monkey Puzzle Tree, right? You know, of course, which was a you know a real big hit. That is coming out now as a second edition with another mainstream mainstream traditional publisher now early next year. So I've got literary agents, you know, editors and all that around that now. So that's going to come out early next year. <clears throat> We're working on that now. It's the same story, but it's, it's being repackaged. Re, re, you know, uh, we have the untold chapters and all that stuff in there because I'm still here. Obviously I'm not someone who's passed, you know, there's a living history. There's still a lot going on and that's going to be called extraordinary Stephen Gillen, the search for a life worth living. This is the next book. That's going in all the shops around the world. Um, they, there's tours and stuff behind that. 
I do a, I do a lot of TV stuff and broadcast stuff. You know, I've done a lot of TV series with Sky. You know, I'm in the middle of filming filming another one uh, now with Ross Kemp. You know, who's a you know a major a major household name over here. He's over in New York at the moment now, uh, filming. We'll be filming um, again on that in January and February. We've got another TV series as well. Uh, that's for Sky History. We've got another one that we're talking about doing on gangs, you know, um, and stuff like that for Sky History. And, um, yeah, so this is my personal brand now, which has become international. You know, I'm always in the press over here. You know, I've done a, I done a uh, North American tour last year. I was on all the breakfast shows there, coast to coast. You know, I'll be coming to the States sometime this year coming where we'll be doing the same kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but through this, through this journey, you know, uh, I've built a lot of different businesses. You know, I met my partner, Daphne, Daphne Delucci, who's a, you know, a big angel, um, you know, an amazing, you know, amazing being a super, super, super skilled. Um, something about her, she was Tom Jones's PA, you know, mm -hmm. the singer. For for four years, this is uh, you know years ago. She's much much more than that. You know, she's a, a big brand personal producer and uh, you know multi skilled. But you know when we got together as well, we you know we made a lot of magic in that in that way in that sense, right? You know that was meant to be, and we went on to create raw media creative. You know which which builds international brands, uh, Kimberly. You know, we're very good at the big stuff. I think we've got about 32 brands at the moment. Um, we're also a film TV production company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do book to film, book to TV series. Um, you know, I deal with like a lot of the studios and all that stuff now. I'm a executive producer as well as CEO there, as well as founder. But one of the things that I'm really, really, really good at of course, with the branding and building people's profiles, having having travelled this journey myself and being very, very successful at it mm -hmm. is all the contacts and all the skill I have, of course, in in PR and stuff like that and really getting people valued for the amazing stuff that they do in the world. Yeah, that, you know, that is so true. I think we had uh, some of a conversation about this. You know, there's a lot of people who are experts in their fields and they're so... You know, I'm one of those people that I'm just so narrow on, I'm so good and mastered what I've done, but I have, I don't know how to speak in um, simple English to explain to people what it is I have to give them or what I can share. And that's where you come in. You come in with the, it's almost like you're the translator between the, the professional and the public. And now the public goes, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, yes, we do want that, you know. <laughs> but it's it's sometimes it's hard when you're in in it so deep to actually communicate it in a way that people can understand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they say when you're in the bottle, you can't read the label. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great analogy. I love that one. And it is. It's like that. I mean, with us, one of the you know, I'm so privileged to do what I do, you know, and me and work with really wonderful people in many ways I think there's so much wonderful more wonderful than I would ever be even like yourself you know I mean you're a doctor you feel so many people you've been so dedicated to the to the 
to the things that you do, which has helped so many, you know. I mean, I'm in that place now where I'm privileged enough to be doing the same in a different area. So mm. I've found my I've found my path, all right, finally. But it is that, you know, it is that translation and that skill with, you know, and the contacts, you know, the contacts and being, you know, knowing how to engineer and strategically brand the line, but package that messaging in the right way so people get valued because you know what i realized with so many great people in the world diverse industries kimberly you know yourself really they're not being valued in the right way so i start there it's mm -hmm. one of the places that i start you know where is the value proposition here why is that not right what do we need to do to package that in the right way so we can circumvent any obstacles there may be or blind spots and make that impactive, right, and be valued again in the right way. So we can we can start, you know, going in the right direction for that, for people, for what they want. That's really it, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, just wanted to ask you about some of your personal projects. So I know you're doing other things. You have more media, but you have other businesses. You have I don't know if you'd call them charities or projects, but what what things are you doing in that area? Yeah, we we're um, we've always got some 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 wonderful uh, things going on. We're doing a lot of events for for some wonderful people at the moment, which helps so many like different awards, you know. And I like that. Another thing we're doing is 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 I'm a brand ambassador for a new accountable, decentralized digital digital currency uh flow coin now this is different in the sense you know they're going towards getting getting regulated of course right but you know uh, for them to be regulated and you know there's a lot of legalities behind this that makes it very very accountable this is the first thing there's a lot of big uh, racing drivers uh golfers uh sportsmen you know already sponsoring this and different things is they have to put a lot of money into the charity uh charitable arm of this um you know, which which is wonderful because then that funding is available for you know to to you know to go into boxing clubs, to go into shelters, maybe you know where women may have been unfortunately abused and they need some kind of direction, some kind of support there. Children's charities, um, medical charities, you know, other good things that are kind of deemed you know to be the right stuff, you know. And I'm going to be the figurehead of that, so it's very very good for everyone, you know. And I can, it it kind of makes it easier because one of the things that's really hard for a lot of charities is funding. You know, and getting the money they need to actually not be just get the really immediate stuff done, mm -hmm. which is what changes things as well. So you know, I was very open, you know, very happy, and we're, we're we're you know, of course, watching how this this migrates to put this together because I know that that will, will be doing a lot of good right here, right now to people who need it. So I'm quite proud of that. This takes a lot of work to you know shape these kind of things and get them right on the way through right you know so that and um you know we do a lot of other charity work as well i mean uh, i've got my own brand um you know stephengillen.com the resilience code you know which which coaches a lot of people and you know and all that stuff uh, one of the reasons for that was you know i realized there's a lot of really really deserving people out there who are at a point in their lives really screaming for help. They have so much wonderfulness and talent about them, 
but their resource, you know, is very limited. Their environment is against them. And they may not have all these thousands of pounds or whatever they need for for consistent support and coaching or or anything like that that could get them over the hill, you know? So so we put a lot of money into that as well, you know, to to you know to really help it. We've had amazing, amazing successes in that with real people, with real problems, you know? So that's another good thing we're very proud of. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, I did want to ask you if people wanted to connect with you, is that with, where they would connect with you on your website or where's the best places to connect with you and how? I suppose if they Google me, Kimberly, it's really easy. It's so, you know, Stephen with the PH, if they go on Google, don't, don't be too shocked. You might be on there for months, right? But there's so much stuff on there, you know, and of course you're going to get my my uh, websites and stuff on there. So, you know, it's easy to send an email, you know, or a message or something there. You know, we always answer, of course, absolutely everyone, you know, and I'm always open to, you know, to try and see, talk to, work with, or, you know, anyone there, um, you know, that can be good for everyone. So, you know, I'm always uh, happy and graceful to meet people. Wonderful. So now I have a personal question for you. What gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life right now? That's a really great question, you know, and um, it's doing the right thing, you know, however hard that is, you know, and that's for a lot of people. It's quite hard sometimes because you have to, you know, you you can be between a rock and a hard place a lot of the time when you when you do the right thing. You know, and you have to really check that it is the right thing. And that can be, you know, what's your motivations, of course, and be that person who always does that, that person who does that stuff, right, consistently. You know, of course, I have been doing that for a long time as well. I am where I am, gratefully so. But it's still, it's still, um, you know, it's still going to be hard because not everyone, even your close ones, will, you know, will see everything and completely understand what needs to be done for the right reasons in the right way. It's important to keep your heart pure with that, but you have to be strong as well. You know, we need the, we need the strength in this life as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough balance that sometimes, but this, this gives me the, the most joy out of, out of everything really, to be honest. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, sharing your story, your wisdom. Some of the things you shared were really deep and, We'll be still thinking about it after. <laughs> Kimberly, I can only be myself. This is the thing, you know, and that's where that's where the power of all of us is, is 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 in the authenticity, right? You know, it's the real stuff. You know, it's about the real stuff. The real stuff can change things, right? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Exactly. it's been great to be on you know it's been great to be on you know i love what you're doing with your work and everything else of course we're working together you're such a such a uh such a valuable uh shining example right you know as a human being you know you really are of all the people i work with and you are absolutely one of them Kimberly. well thank you so much so i have one last question before we complete what is your best advice on living an incredible amazing life yeah, that I've 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 really got the answer to that. And I'm telling you what, I was saying it to my younger son just earlier, really. And I said to him, I said, look, always focus on the little details and get them right. 
I said, get all the little details right. If you make your bed, make your bed well. Always think before you open your mouth. Do you know what I mean? You know, if you're washing the kitchen, if you're going to whatever you do, the little details with that, focus on doing that well. And the big stuff will take care of itself. I love that. Thank you so much, Stephen. No worries. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for having me on. We'll talk to you again soon.